The Ascent of Board Games is a podcast in which we discuss the history and evolution of board game mechanics, concepts, and themes from the dawn of history to today's newest releases. We talk, we laugh, we pick on each other, and we occasionally get things wrong. But we hope to provide both entertainment and education to today's discerning podcast listener, you. Welcome, everybody, to episode 36 of the Ascent of Board Games. This is Brian. I'm here with Jason and Joe and Frank. Mike can't join us today, so we are joined by our unofficial sixth member, the amazing Sandy West. Hello. It's good to have her here. Mm. We're recording face-to-face again for, like, two times in a row. It's It's very exciting. So gross. I'm already tired of it. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Well, it was nice seeing you, Jason. We'll see you again in a year and a half. But yeah, we've gotten some more board games in, like physically with people. It was very exciting. And this month, we are here to talk to you about tech trees and skill trees. So basically the stuff where you or your civilization or your character learns how to do some stuff, and then based on what they've learned how to do, they learn how to do some more stuff. When we figure out what a tech or skill tree is, I think we're going to throw a bunch of stuff at the dartboard and see what sticks. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, when Mike's not here, we don't have to be quite so lawful oh, right. about okay, it. Okay, got it. <laughs> no, honestly, that's usually my problem. But yeah, basically, I think it's going to be the sort of thing where as long as there's some kind of prerequisite system for you have to have A before you can get to B in some capacity, and that all the players are potentially going to have a different path, I think will will probably suffice for us here. And while this is not, you know, one of those ancient game mechanisms, it did start in the oh-so-distant past of 1975. Sort of. The first game is Stellar Conquest, which is 1975, originally published by Metagaming, but most people know the later Avalon Hill box edition. This was designed by Howard Thompson, and it's a big old Space 4X game, really the archetype of Space 4X games, and uh, really messy and really 1975. We're talking black and white board with some 500 counters showing every single ship, planet, etc. You have to track the resource and production and population of every planet on a giant spreadsheet Mm, or a giant form. that you. Yeah, I was going to say, spreadsheets imply some kind of electronic assistance. Oh, yeah, true. So we're talking uh, more like a form and pencils (laughs) and a a ton of erasers. It was a dark time. And what do you know? There's kind of a tech tree basically for your ship upgrades. You got, you know, propulsion, how many spaces you can move guys, whether you can nuke planets, whether you have missiles on your ships and everything. And uh, there's a big chart that comes with the game. Forget cards. There's no cards in this. You can buy any tech you want at any time and just upgrade it and mark it on your sheet because there's no cards or anything to show you that. And you do get basically uh, discounts for having some of the lower requirements. So you can have advanced missile bases, just buy it straight out. But if you have missile bases, it's actually affordable and you can do it. So there's a big incentive to kind of grow up that way. And that's kind of it. I mean, if you've seen any kind of game, it's, you know, which tech do you buy? And so the whole tech tree is sort of available from the beginning as long as you can afford it. Correct. Yeah, no hard locks. Mm -hmm. And uh, it actually is going to be a while before we see really hard locks in that. But still, you know, bonus points for being first. Bonus points for being first. And, and you know, unless chess came out with the tech tree expansion, <laughs> that's pretty oh, much so where we're going to start. I'm upgrading all of my knights to have Gatling guns. <laughs> <laughs> make chess more interesting. Yeah. There are many ways to make chess more interesting. That would definitely be one of them. And then the next step in that era is going to be in 1980. We got the classic Civilization designed by Francis Tresham and published originally by Heartland Trefoil Limited. I think that's the only that's game they brand. ever published. No, no, no. They did a few. Okay. Um, you know, like 18XX. Oh, was that was that them as well? I never knew yeah, that. Yeah, the original 18XX. Mostly because I, I avoid train games like <laughs> The Plague. Because they are a plague. That's I mean, why. Sure. Francis Tresham started so many iconic, oh, wow, well, really? I apologize. Yeah. I did not give him sufficient respect. Oh, yeah. Even if some of them are games I don't like. 
But yeah, Civilization is another of the really early classic expansion games. And the tech tree in this is similar in some respects to what Frank was just talking about in Stellar Conquest. You know, you have a whole slew of technology cards, basically, that you can buy with your trade goods. And you can theoretically buy most of them from the start of the game, although some of them are prohibitively expensive until the later phases. It does rely very heavily on discounts. There's like four or five in the later Advanced Civilization kind of colors of technology. And yeah. like whenever you buy a science, all your future sciences are 20 cheaper. There are some civics in the late game that you have to have something else before you have democracy, for example. Some of the late game have, have prerequisites. But it's mostly just kind of a similar system where you get discounts and a few hard prerequisites. Again, a classic game in the early stages, but you can definitely see where the tech tree is kind of developing. And it does, especially in advanced civilization, there's sort of a craft tree, which has a lot of sort of metalworking-y things that tends to steer your civilization in a more warlike direction yeah stellar conquest is all based on military conquest and beating oh, each other right up. In the name yeah totally civilization is much more civilized you see yeah, good point dandy is giving me that that was not worth it <laughs> <laughs> i just don't lines. see it in all the civilization or i only played civilization once but it was not civilized <laughs> we'll get a game set up with who? Who are you going to find a game of civilization to be civilized? There was, and potentially now the pandemic's wearing off, will be again. There was an annual all-day advanced civilization game group that I was a part of. I'm hoping one year we'll get Civ. That's some kind of exotic Chinese hell? <laughs> Chinese have a lot of hell, Sandy. <laughs> yeah. That's my point. I enjoyed it. Can any of you people say I'm having fun? And then when we started getting into some of the more individualized tech trees. Twilight Imperium. But, but a very small amount. Not a lot of it. Because <laughs> honestly, the tech trees are a small part of the game. But like a notable part of the game. So Twilight Imperium, released by Fantasy Flight Games, first in 1997, and then uh, functionally every two years after that <laughs> until the present day. Designed by Dane Beltrami, Corey Kosniak, Christian T. Peterson. Kunieska. Whatever. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Corey, we're a big fan of your work. We are. I am in love with the initiative, 100%. This is actually Christian Peterson's baby, so he's going to crawl through the internets, come after you, I think. Uh, that's fine, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Much like any crunchy, giant, day-destroying space game, it has a tech tree where you research tech and, and get better tech. It's great. Every faction has a set of tech cards. The tech cards will have prerequisites, right? So, hey, you'll have to research potentially one or multiple techs to research some upcoming tech. Techs have different kinds, and you can, like, get discounts to play various techs. I played the first one back in 1998. This is one where you got the whole printing was up to where you got printed <clears throat> hex die-cut tiles that you got Very to turn over and explore. But uh, the original version had the grid. So basically every race got a list of, you know, propulsion, weapons, general, rated from one to six. And you had to half level one to get level two. And you see that a lot nowadays where basically you have to always have level one, level two. And you gradually place your things up the little chart in several different rows. The original version had it. Of course, cards got cheaper thanks to magic. So by the time we see third and fourth edition, every tech. Got a card with all the text on it. So many cards with tiny text. Yeah, I mean, it's actually really nice. Like, in the most recent game, right, like, in version, whatever, what are they on right now? Sorry. I think they that to four? four? Yeah, four. pretty sure it'll be four. So in version four, right, like, you have a deck of cards for each faction that has the full text of what the power does, as well as a little icon in the bottom left corner, which shows you the prerequisites. So you could actually lay the cards out to form, an, like, an actual tech tree that you could look at as you're thinking about, like, hey, what do you want to build? Technologies in that game, much like any game, will greatly affect the other parts of the game that you're playing. I think in some ways, right, like technology plays a very big part in Twilight Imperium as a game, but also every other piece of it also plays a big part in Twilight Imperium because it's a big game and therefore it's a lot of big parts. It's also worth mentioning that Fantasy Flight Games also, in 2007, they also released StarCraft, the board game, which functionally stole a segment of the rules from Twilight Imperium to make a StarCraft based board game that also does very similar things on a slightly smaller scale. I wouldn't say stole since Christian Peterson and Corey Kineska designed StarCraft. I mean, sure, so. stole may be the wrong word. Reused in another game for the they, same company. They refined their earlier designs. Sure. Ripped, hole, and bleeding. Also, yes. <laughs> yeah. 
StarCraft, the board game, has extremely similar DNA to Twilight Imperium insofar as two designers are wholly shared between Twilight Imperium and StarCraft, the board game. And also, also, it was released by Fantasy Flight. And also, it's a massive world-conquering science fiction, science fiction <laughs> day-destroying game that has tech trees that have techs in them that you can get. And also you need to conquer and fight people and do other things. I don't know. It's like almost like it's a 4X game or something. (laughs) Very similar to that. We've talked a lot about tech trees so far, but then we start getting into games which do skill trees, which are mechanically similar, but conceptually different and legally distinct. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And uh, this lets Frank talk about one of his favorite games. Yeah, totally. And possibly my favorite game. And really... I think the difference between tech trees and skill trees are whether it's science fiction or fantasy. Sure. (laughs) And so, yeah. Whether it's a character or a civilization. (laughs) So 2002's Prophecy, designed by Vlada Shvatil. And um, you know that name from Through the Ages, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of games, Mage Knight, Dear Lord, that's a beast of a game. Prophecy is, sounds like a big old bunch of house rules for talisman there's a lot of talisman dna and prophecy and yet it somehow manages to be a good game Ooh, there are decent talisman clones we need to talk about quest for the philosopher's stone yes but that's not talisman, oh, no, no, no. is it it's insane clown posse talisman what you heard him <laughs> i have an insane clown posse talisman ripoff oh it's quest for shangri-la yeah i was gonna say philosopher's stone is different it's much, it's better than Talisman. Well, you broke Joe. Congratulations. I mean, yeah, it, <laughs> we're going to have to reboot Joe. Inherently have to be because it's Talisman. <laughs> right, Relic is better than Talisman inherently because yeah, it's but... not Talisman. Well, if you just fix the ending, Talisman doesn't suck. Right. You're not wrong. Relic does. I mean, Relic also has player powers, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Uh, anyway, Prophecy <laughs> fixes a lot of things. I mean, you can choose where you move and a lot of cards are face up. So you can generally kind of think and see what you're going for and know what kind of difficulty, whether you can actually kill it or not. Whereas Talisman did this kind of thing where when you got 7 XP, you could then bump up your strength or craft. And that's it. And you basically, the entire game was picking up the random weapons, bumping your strength and craft, and doing it a lot. In Prophecy, each character has their own starting special power. But they also have, there's these five training sites around the board. And each of those training sites has two face-up skills. And you're given incredible discounts at two of those. So each character class is incented to go pick up skills from those two. And they're in categories, you know, magic versus warrior versus hunting, which affects a lot of your movement and those kind of powers. And so gradually your character will become more specialized and diverse over time. And a lot of it comes from picking up skills from these decks. But they're not, I mean, they're not really ordered or prerequisites or anything. It's they're just, not ordered in the deck. different groups. And you're basically incented to, to get, get the, the ones two that, of them. that are cheap for you. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a little bit of a weird restriction that's almost not quite a skill tree. And you'll see variants. It's more, on that. more of a skill vine. You know, it's sort <laughs> yeah, of flat in a single level. But a skill shrub. A skill shrub. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Some of them are incentivizing people to go different paths. I mean, really, like, that's advanced sieve, which says, yeah, technically you can buy any of them, but, oh, if you have these prerequisites, you want these first because it's cheaper. Yeah. We had another one here for Frank that when he first put it on the list, I'm like, that's not a skill tree or a tech tree. And then he described it and it kind of is. So, yeah, I mean, explain yourself. When I was picking games, I was going for a lot of variants. To Court the King is uh, 2006. Tom Lehman, who gave the world Outpost and uh, Roll for the Galaxy. To court the king is a Yahtzee variant, essentially. You have three dice. The object is to basically roll seven sixes or seven of a kind to get the king card, which obviously with three dice is not going to happen. So the big pyramid of skill tree is that every turn you're going to take a card, hopefully. Things like full houses or three of a kind or, you know, at least 13 pips on the dice will basically let you take a new skill card. Those skill cards will let you change and adjust dice as well as add new dice to your pool. And so really the skill tree there or the tech tree there is that, you know, you're screwing with dice, but you simply can't physically, based on the rules, take the higher level cards. So the first couple of times you're going after only the lower row just because of how the game works. Yeah, it's interesting. I remember playing that game and liking it. And if I was better at rolling dice, I would probably (laughs) own a copy. 
Because I remember it being kind of fun and interesting. It's sort of like a little bit of Yahtzee, except there's a game a there. A billion special powers and right, all the tech yeah. you start picking up. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember it was really a hit for a while. And I may need to look for a copy of that because even though I'm terrible at rolling dice, I do remember that game fondly. Have you got a later game that you should look at that's awesome? It's another dice rolling kind of game. I love it. Sandy's a little less happy but sandy's dice rolling abilities were completely broken by zona and they've never recovered Uh it's true it's true it's true (laughs) actually brian from last week we saw brian's ability to roll dice really well it's pretty it's pretty bad yeah yeah (laughs) yeah jason and i are traditionally the people that dice like least but it's good to have you on the show join the club (laughs) i'll just pick up a die and roll 20s straight up he will I know. And as like the GM <laughs> in our role-playing group, when we're all rolling ones and nobody can hit anything and he's just massacring us, it happens all the time. When I'm the GM, then I roll great. I'm happy <laughs> to kill my players, but I just can't keep myself alive. Anyway, that is neither here nor there. I'm apparently only going to get to talk about Civilization games today. So the next one I want to mention was uh, Sid Meier's Civilization, the board game. I should point out that this is not Sid Meier's Civilization, the board game. Because there was one released by Eel Games in 2002, which is the board game, one word. This is Sid Meier's Civilization, the board game, two words, which was released in 2010 by Fantasy Flight, designed by Kevin Wilson. Obviously, there have been a number of of iterations of Civ-based board games. This is actually one of my favorites. It's got pretty much all the essentials. If you've played the computer game, you know, you have your multiple different paths of victory. Each civilization has their own special powers. You're exploring around, turning over new tiles, finding goody huts. But the thing, the way they do the tech tree is kind of cool because basically there's five different levels of technology. The fifth level, there's only one card, which is the trip to Alpha Centauri, which wins you the game. Science victory is one of the ways you can do it. But basically, you know, you're spending your resources to get technologies, but you have to do them in sort of a pyramid style. Basically, you have to have at least two level one techs before you can get a level two. Three level one techs lets you get two level twos, will let you get one level three, etc. and so forth. So if you're going for a science-based victory, you're really going to sort of spread out and get a lot of technologies early and work your way up. Whereas a lot of other groups will maybe just pick and choose the ones they need. If you're going for a military victory, you know, you get horse riding and gunpowder and kind of go from there. All the powers have their individual abilities. There's enough of them for everyone, so everybody can get all the techs. And obviously, you know, as with any tech tree, some of them will significantly change the way your game goes. And some of them are just minor little bonus and stuff. But the pyramid style is the main reason I wanted to bring this one up, because I think it's a clever way of sort of replicating the way you don't have specific prerequisites, but you do have to have a certain sort of foundational level of technology before you can move on. Yeah. And the next one is, oh, wow, a 4X game. That's, that's never weird. Heard of it, never heard of them. But it is, I think, my choice for 4X game, which is Eclipse, New Dawn for the Galaxy from 2011. And this also counts for Second Dawn of the Galaxy, which is a different name, but really the same game. Eclipse breaks all the rules for every single aspect of its game. The way it handles income and everything is transparent, baked into the rules. The way it handles tech is slightly unusual you have three columns of tech kind of a military economic and then random weird sciencey thing and every turn you draw random techs from a bag you also have rare techs and alien techs that come from just being found on the board as well as coming from the bag and you can buy any tech you want that's in the candy tray so it's very opportunistic cost and going first in fact going first in the turn there's usually uh, this candy tray of text that's passed around. So the first person gets their first pick of lovely, lovely, wonderful text and the, the choice bits. But there's also basically every tech you have in a row, because you're building up your gridded row of, of text, gives you a discount on previous text. You're incentivized to stick to one or two colors. But also it's opportunistic. So you get a partial selection of the available tech are all the techs in theory available in each game or is it like a subset no generally only about half the techs come out okay there are copies of each tech for every player in the bag but you know in an individual game only one guy's one or two people are going to get wormhole techs and that lets you actually move around the fairly restrictive space grid and of course the alien techs and the rare techs are unique mm-hmm. so if a rare tech comes up and you buy it you're the only one that's got it interesting Every time we talk about Eclipse, I want to play it. Oh, yeah. It's 
surprising because when you play it, you know, it doesn't make any sense. You look at it and go, what, what? There's all this stuff everywhere. And I don't, what is that? I don't even wait. What? When you start playing it, it's simple and obvious and, oh, of course that's how it works. That's how it should work. Yeah, I think that's why I haven't played it yet, because like there's a handful of times I've pulled it out and looked at the rule book and paid to it and I've just been like, nope. <laughs> Slide <laughs> <Yeah>. it back. <laughs> I need someone to teach me this game because I'm not getting it. Oh, totally. But yeah, it's income mechanism is just take cubes and put them on the board. Once you put them on the board, hey, I get extra income. And it's obvious from how it's calculated. Okay. I'll put that on my enormous list of games I want to play. Yeah, totally. We actually got to play it Sunday. So there. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So there? <laughs> he says that like wow. that was a good thing. Ooh. I got Ooh. to sit out, so <laughs> there's your good so thing. Really, there's the victory. I didn't have to play it on Sunday. <laughs> and back to the Civ-like games. Guns and Steels by Jesse Lee. This was actually his first big game or first well-known game, but he did Flow of History and Ponzi Scheme game that's kind of that's gotten some decent traction. But Guns and Steel is a weird Civ game that plays best with two or three it says it plays with four but really that's a three-person game because one person is going to get so slapped down in the first few turns <laughs> they won't really be playing it's it's kind of brutal for that uh, guns and steel though has that big old almost tableau builder but it's a uh, basically a big bunch of cards in a pyramid so hmm, i've seen that from here. to court the king etc sid meyer sieves yeah totally in guns and steel though cards go into your hand almost like a deck builder except that your hand's available every turn you play a card face down to acquire a resource the backs of cards have resources and the higher level cards in the pyramid are going to produce more interesting resources and you're going to need the more interesting resources traded or upgraded to get the higher level tax the second thing on the front of the card is an action. So you're basically playing two cards a turn. One face down for a resource, one face up for its action. And actions are things you do, like a deck builder. Those can be really, really mean. Stealing stuff from other people, assuming you have more military. And that's actually the game. And then, of course, there's a group of wonders that you take. And that's the object of the game is to take those wonders and get points for various things. Is the game fun? Because this is one of those games that I see constantly on clearance sales. Like, oh, it's all good. the time. Uh, I like like it for two or three, assuming you like mean. <laughs> but it's very, very short. And, and very, very mean. Yes. <laughs> is it short because it's so mean and people just rage quit it? Or <laughs> no, no, it's just a really short. I mean, really, you're only, you know, get a resource, do an action. Yeah, I live with someone who's got AP really badly. So, like, short games don't mean anything. Oh, yeah, good point. <laughs> But no, I am quite fond of it. And yeah, totally worth it. And I'm always that one who's getting stomped down in the first three turns. Yeah, totally. <laughs> really, the limitation on getting, uh, basically acquiring things, you can only acquire something at the bottom of the tech tree, like in uh, Seven Wonders Duel. Sure. So it has to, you have to clear the lower two before you can... Yeah, no, no jumping ahead in technology. Or... And even then you couldn't because the requirements for resources for the higher level just don't exist. You have to have some lower level text to get the stuff to gotcha. get this thing. Yeah. Very cool. From that title, I keep thinking of Guns, Germs, and Steel, which is the whole book about the conquest of North America. <laughs> and I feel like that, that needs a germs expansion. <laughs> yes, it's not mean enough yet. <laughs> right. Let's put a biological weapon yeah. in there. <laughs> have some smallpox. It'll be great. The art's nice on the cards, though, for sure. Oh, yeah. And there isn't an expansion or second game that's a little nicer. Ooh, nice. Guns and Steel. <laughs> it's new teddy Dawn bears. Or, yeah. <laughs> yeah, not nice enough. Yeah. <laughs> it's still, if you, so, so yeah, if you like Seven Wonders Duel and kind of like some of the ideas and just wish there were more bloodshed. Yeah, exactly. So, so the nicer version is basically you're still punching people, just not in the face. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Or it's all Queensberry rules. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> no, no, you put, you put the gloves belt. on. <laughs> I did want to briefly mention a game that I have touched on a couple times before here, which is Sidereal Confluence, which is still just a freaking bizarre game. Oh, no, you need to launch the full good. title. Oh, sorry. Sidereal Confluence, Trading and Negotiation in the Elysian Quadrant. There we go. I was, I was confused as to which one you meant. Sorry, yes. This is a uh, 2017 release from WizKids designed by the improbably yet accurately named Tauseti Deichmann. This is a... Um, I almost said a relatively straightforward game, but nothing about this game is straightforward. The tech tree, though, is basically you've got stacks of technologies that all civilizations have access to. 
starting with the level one on the top and going to the more advanced ones. The neat thing about it is that basically when your civilization researches a technology, you basically get one turn to take advantage of it, and then everybody else gets that same technology. Each race has their own version of the card, and depending on what that race specializes in, the output of the technology may be a little bit different. I may produce, you know, biotech cubes and you may produce warships, you know, using the same thing, but it's the same technology. So basically when you're building it, you have to not only think about what benefits you, but in theory, if you have the brain space for it, what other people are doing. I'm just want to show you this card, right? Like, like seeing it right set up isn't going to help, right? Yeah. It's just <laughs> totally insane. Gosh, yeah. Is, okay. is that not clear? <laughs> what it does? Goes to two rockets, two purple Triple diamonds, dragon fruits, and one <laughs> diamond base platform, which then becomes in a purple box. Two, sh two ships, one flipped over purple base platform to like a purple topping platform, and now it's a dark black base platform. One grapefruit and a green diamond, emerald, and emerald. I think that's just an and alien a, and language. And a pavilion <laughs> is your purple. What Joe's saying is that every single card basically looks like the alien language in Arrival. Nah, it, there you go. 100% <laughs> does. Yeah, the, the iconography is, let us say, opaque. Yeah. <laughs> dense might be the right <laughs> yeah, word. It's exactly. dense. Now, to be fair, this is actually somebody's redesigned proposed iconography for the <gasps> oh game. Oh, my gosh. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> we playing, is um, this to make it more clear? Uh, maybe. <laughs> wow. We were playing Doom Imperium last night, and Doom Imperium is functionally driven by iconography in a similar fashion. So there's a couple of times last night we were like, what does that icon mean? We'd have to go look it up. But this one is just like that to like the nth degree, right? Just the regular cards make a lot more sense. This would be a good time to ask all game designers to do a key for your icons. For the love of God, give us <laughs> Please, a reference card. for every player. <laughs> Especially if your game looks like that. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes. I'm not saying uh, Sidereal Confluence is an easy one to pick up. I'm excited to play it. I mean, we should, we should, oh, same we should here. map out some time and just like get a bunch of people. I mean, ultimately, it's a trading game mm -hmm. and a trading game yes, with a, a lot of it's a trading game where you have no idea what anyone else wants or why. It's like, I make a lot of these green cubes. Does anybody want them? Uh, I don't know what you're going to do with them. Maybe conquer my people, but here you go. Give me some yellow cubes back. <laughs> Thanks. I needed to power my Death Star. I appreciate <laughs> right, that. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I don't understand what any of you are doing. Is there actually any combat? I don't. Well, there probably is. Who knows? Uh, well, it's you're buried in the rules. Somewhere. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that's a priority, but it is mostly a trading game. Yeah. True. Anyway, now we get to have Sandy tell us about one of the games that I think everybody at this table likes a lot. Wow, I didn't think that was possible. I know. I'm very <laughs> that we would that we would all like a, a every once game. in a while it happens. Jeff, are you gonna? Uh, <laughs> gonna descent. <laughs> Where's the pod? <laughs> he stores it up in Mike's room. So, Too Many Bones from 2017, designed by Josh J. Carlson and Adam Carlson. Are they brothers? They are. Mm -hmm. From Chip Theory Games. So, it is a very interesting thing in that it is a dice building RPG where you have a character mat where. As you are given new levels, you are allowed to add dice based on the tech tree printed on your mat player mat, and everybody's tech tree is different, and all their dice do different things. And in order to kill the later, more difficult critters, you need the better tech. Yeah, we've talked about this one before. It's insanely produced. I mean, all the double-stitch neoprene mats and hundreds of unique dice and poker chips, yeah, like nice heavy-duty poker chip Plastic roll of cards. characters. <laughs> it's, uh, it's really insane. But yeah, the, the skill tree is every time you pick up a new character, it's kind of like learning a new game. And even then, um, every character has two or three, generally three, different builds and different ways you can go with them because you're only going to get third to a half of your powers, if that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, Patches, a doctor, he's a healer. No, I've had patch builds that were really aggressive and bizarre. Yeah. And that's one of the things that disappointed me at the game when we first played it is that when you do a regular standard life campaign, you're just starting to get into the really cool stuff when it oh, ends, yeah. which is why I love the fact that they have campaign rules now. Yeah. But yeah, when you play like Tink, he's building robots and then buying parts to be able to upgrade his robots over time, stanzas a 
bard with an electric guitar and uh, her stuff is playing songs and mixing songs and they, they get crazier and crazier. So yeah. And you giving other people dice all this kind of crazy. Yeah. Stuff. But yeah, it's a neat game. If you go back and listen to some of our early episodes, we were, we were really hot on too many bones for a while and talked about it a lot. And just, it always fascinates how much tactical positioning mileage they get out of a four by four grid. Yeah, yeah, no, and, and it's like and, it's a really tiny map, but yeah, and, and to to Sandy's point, like each of these neoprene mats with the unique skills of the characters, they have starting points. When you start with your character, it's like you put dice in these three or four slots, and you can build from there because they have arrows indicating which direction you can go. And so it's like, do I want Patches to be a, a murderous psychopath, or do I want him to be full support, or a mixture of both? Yeah, it's a great game, and like I think. Part of what keeps driving me to play it over and over again is the variety of the characters, the different types of things you can do with them. And maybe even the fact that you never actually fully fill out your board. So you always have that drive, just like really just want to see what this stuff does. I need to keep playing it and trying different builds. I've never gotten this power. Right, exactly. (laughs) I have to try it. Also, the enemies have a lot of good variants, right? So Mm -hmm. like there are a bunch of different factions of enemies and they all play differently and feel different, which is surprising given that almost all the rules are written on tiny poker chips. So (laughs) yeah, even uh, one of the later expansions, the Build a Tyrant, where it's like, oh, tired of all the variety we had? Make your own. <laughs> it's like, Man, all right. Yeah, it's a little bit insane. And then we'll just throw the child from the Mandalorian. And just, just <laughs> yes. uh, yeah. yeah that was... For no apparent reason. <laughs> well, you know, the gear locks are all awfully cute. It's, yeah, that's true. And just the, the different combinations of characters you can have, because there's, what, like a dozen different characters yeah, now. Yeah. Point, yeah. And just getting three or four of them in a group will get you to some, some interesting things. Yeah, I do also appreciate every time they have a new character there in the back, they're like, here's the recommended first build. <laughs> this is what you should start with, because some of those rules, like Stanza, oh my gosh, yeah. like she is a lot to bite off. You're like, what is going on with, oh, turn the die upside down, and now she's in- incorporating the song into her melody. You're like, what are you talking about? This is- <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't get this at all. Well, I mean, the fact that every character has like a double-sided small print guide to the, what all their shit does, there's a lot going on in that game. Yeah, it's really fun, but uh, I love playing it with even with players that have played it before. Playing a new character, they're like, okay, blah blah. blah. They flip over their reference sheet, like I don't know, two hours into the game. Oh, that's how that <laughs> exactly. works. <laughs> Oops. Mm-hmm. I worry that they're eventually going to run out of different icons to put on die faces because <laughs> they've got so many now. Yeah, yeah. That. Yeah. I worry more that they're gonna. Out um, size that trove box. No, some... no, please, no. <laughs> Lord, anything more than that, I cannot lift. <laughs> I know, I can barely lift the freaking thing as is. I know, I know. It's... And then you have to carry it up and down the stairs. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's why. That's why the game room is downstairs where everything lives. So, speaking of long campaign games with complicated rules and a lot of dice. <laughs> Yeah, that brings us to Madara, released in 2019. Madara Unintentional Malum. It's the official title. Act Act 1. Yes, don't want to miss any of that. Uh, Designed by Clayton Helm, Brooklyn Lundberg, Brenna Moncur, and Ian Tate. Madara is basically another cooperative dungeon crawl with campaign elements and, and leveling up. So much story. So, yeah, too much story. No, the exact right amount of story. No, no, no. It is, it is provably, scientifically too much story. <laughs> Do you like Metal Gear Solid? Do you like all the cutscenes that never end? This is the game for you. Remy, I put my hand on your shoulder. <laughs> I chop off your hand. Yeah, you That's the one thing that was missing is every time somebody touched Remy, she should have been able to stab them. They were close. Oh, man, I would love that option. As the Remy player, I mm-hmm. appreciate that. Yeah, I was the Remy player, too. And uh, Did you enjoy not playing half the game? <laughs> well, historically, I'm always whatever shoots. Mm-hmm. As you may have guessed from my Valentine's Day present. Uh, yes. I was going to say, have you shot Frank with the crossbow yet? <laughs> no, but have I you, shot have you the shot crossbow. shot at Frank? No, with- I have shot the crossbow with Frank. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, you know, the thing he didn't tell you is that it was a tactical repeating crossbow. Oh, oh God. He didn't mention that. <laughs> oh, so you're, you've got like full Hawk the Slayer mode going on there. <laughs> well, I need a Legolas for that. There's a, a type of bow called a Legolas oh, that's okay. got a, a magazine oh, and right. and it so that you can fire that fast. Wow. <laughs> Come to the house. We'll let you shoot. Man, I've never gotten such a good good anniversary or birthday present. <laughs> yeah, tell Courtney, Courtney to step up his game. <laughs> I, I need something deadly, Courtney. How else do I know you love me? Uh, that was a Valentine's Day present, so there. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Anyhow, back to Medora. Um... <laughs> 
The reason this one came up for us talking about skill trees and tech trees is they approach this in a fairly unique way. All of the characters outside of one special ability that they have are essentially the same. They have... Well, they have different dice values for their stats, I guess. That does different. Start, yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. But gear changes a lot of that. But all of the different upgrade cards, when you level up, are equally available to everyone. Anyone can pick from any of the different, like, four or five different flavors of upgrades. So you could build Remy as a caster or Remy as a bruiser or, you know, any of the characters as different types based on the upgrade cards they're getting. But there is kind of an inherent tech tree where, you know, you can't get a level two skill in any of the things until you have a level one skill of that particular type. So you can you can branch out as much as you want, but you do have to build up from the lower levels up. Yeah. And there are five different categories of skills. Yeah. And then, then the top the top skills, there's only one copy of each, I believe. Probably. Yeah. yeah so that kind of got me by surprise because we were vying for the same one with one of our players. But the nice thing is, and especially for a long-term campaign game like this, hey, you know, I really screwed my build-up, guys. I can just pay some experience and reset and take all the other points back and just totally respec, which is awesome because sometimes that's necessary. Yeah, it's really fun. Just the the number of combinations that are out there and the number of viable builds that you can get with combos. It's a lot of fun. I I was looking at one point on the Geek, somebody has put up a spreadsheet of some different recommended builds. There were like, I don't know, 114 of them. That they're (laughs) like, you know, here are some combos that you might want to try. Past Brian was exaggerating. The file only contained 39 proposed builds. I enjoyed my blood mage a lot. She was a lot of fun. <laughs> She's like, I hurt myself for extra damage. Now I heal because I murdered this thing. <laughs> yep, exactly. It's a good system. Apparently, they have just recently revamped a lot of things in Madara. So uh-huh. even when we get Act 2. Game. Functionally everything. Yeah. Yeah. So even when we get Act 2, we're going to have to relearn the game. We're not playing back through Act 1, though. <laughs> are we not, though? We are not. Are you sure? I, I'm already prepared to commit another two years of gaming to get through Acts 2 and 3. I'm not going to add another year to go back through Act 1. The big problem is all the skills got completely redone and the skill values changed for each card. So I don't know how you'd, con- you'd have to build a conversion system for your Act 1 characters. No, you just going to Act respec two. everybody. Oh, or you can yeah, respect. I, I would that. think. That might be our session zero of <laughs> Act mm-hmm. 2. <laughs> exactly. All right. What, what are these that don't exist anymore? But yeah, great game. I quite enjoyed the mechanics. And that, that level of flexibility is not something you typically see in a game with, you know, character skills. Yeah, I quite like that. And everything but the story. 45 minutes uh, between plays is not yeah. not a thing. That was the thing. Like, I Nobody thought the story that. was fine. I just didn't need to every single sentence they spoke for the last three years <laughs> committed to. Please summarize. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Eventually, we started kind of just skipping the story, but I, my objection to the story was that everybody made bad decisions all the time in the story, and I kind of like these characters, but they are not likable in the text. <laughs> they did way too much of telling and not showing. They could have greatly reduced the text and just showed you a lot of it, but they had a thing they wanted to tell clearly, and they're like, I'm going to tell this thing. What is an anime if not a series of characters making bad decisions? That pretty much drives the genre. Yeah, but did it have a love triangle in it? I don't remember a love triangle necessarily. They didn't really... Maybe that'd be for act two. Yeah, Ooh, something to look forward to. <laughs> nice, awkward love triangle that no one cares about. I mean, to be fair, though, they did, they themselves did release spark notes for all the things. So they did, I think, yeah. in some level, they did recognize, okay, guys, we're a little sorry. <laughs> Not a lot sorry, <laughs> but a little. a little sorry. I'm really curious to see what the text in, in number two is going to be like in yeah. Act Two. We had Too Many Bones a few minutes ago, which is a game that all of us like, and this is the one about which we have some divided opinions. <laughs> yeah, it's a little contentious at the table here. Again, released in 2019, the game Tapestry, uh, released by Stonemaier from Scythe fame, that most people know them from, uh, designed by Jamie Stegmaier, same guy. Tapestry is, it's, I mean, it's kind of a civilization game. You're playing civilizations with different unique powers, conquering areas, going up tech track. Now that I think about it, how do you actually get tech in that game? Which kind of tech do you mean? Do you mean the tech on the tech track? Yeah, so do you I mean the, the tech, tech cards? You just move up. Well, that's it. Every turn, you just every time you pick move one up, one track get, and go. You get a technology out of that. You get a thing. The techs are an outcome yeah. on one of the tracks. Yeah, and a building, if I remember correctly. Like actually, so so the actual techs. If you're talking about tapestry cards, mm-hmm. every time you decide to go to a new age, basically, 
Okay. You will get cards in your hand from effects on the basic trees on the board. Mm-hmm. And then when you move up to the next age, you get to play one of the cards from your hand. Gotcha. Okay. Tapestry cards. So this is kind of where the, the disconnect and this trying to be a civilization-ish type game comes in. Because there's no gating to the text that you <laughs> you get access to. For example, in our game, I got the ability to build a tank factory before I had written language. Which seems, I don't know, a little off. I mean, you have to think the design meetings would be complicated. (laughs) But yeah, there's a a single big deck of tech cards. They're not gated in any way. So you could have smelting and microprocessors, you know, right next to each other. You've also got different, like, improvements you can make on your little player board are also labeled as technologies. Yeah. So there's there's like three different types of tech going on. And none of them have any real causal relationship with each other. Yeah, there's no connection between any of the texts. They're all wholly separate, which is, it's unusual because, you know, I guess we've been trained by all these other games and these decades of this has to lead to this, that has to lead to this. I I think it's functionally an abstract civilization game, which seems weird because civilization games kind of by their nature seem like they want to have a story. It seems almost like a theme mist, like they could have rethemed it to something different and it would have felt better i don't know what i don't have an example of what that theme might potentially be but it feels like they're they're kind of a little bit off on what theme they should have put this game inside of yeah or these mechanics i mean more actually like tapestry but but it as far as a civilization game yeah it feels very there's a bit of solitaire Mm -hmm. it's a bit less aggressive so sandy will actually play it (laughs) (laughs) and i do think the tapestry cards are wildly unbalanced which is a big thing because they're in one deck Mm-hmm. The only thing that affects is how many of them you get and getting to choose the best. Mm-hmm. Whereas other people who don't get them will get, you know, some crappy useless one. But they vary so much in terms of power and usefulness at the moment. Yeah, if you get a particular combo that works well with your civilization. It'll swing the game. Or you can just yeah. run like crazy with it. Yeah. I feel like it's too swingy and random for me to appreciate it, at least as a Civ game. I don't mind randomness in games, but this one just seems too too much it feels like they could correct a lot of that just by by putting you know having these cards broken into two or three different sections right yeah or staged yeah stage exactly Mm -hmm. adding a cost or something something yeah but i do really like the mechanism of pick a track move along the track that's what you do on your turn sure yeah it's so simple to teach and really kind of clever yeah this is the one that has like literally like a four-page rule book like it's Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's very easy to play yeah, I think that was probably just the biggest miss. Like, if they if they just added that staging, I think that would correct a lot of the the yeah. cognitive dissonance of trying With to play one it. One more big expansion coming. I hope that really a gutting of that particular mechanism <laughs> would be appropriate. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I'm ready to put more money into that game. Well, it sounds like Frank is. So just play well, yeah, it. sure, that's fair. But actually, like Frank it. will do it, and you can play his copy. Okay, yeah, that's cool. We have a we have a system working. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, Sandy. I don't know if they told you about the meta game that we've been adding in here. Basically, whenever someone's talking about a game that convinces another one of us to buy it, uh-huh. that's a point. So <laughs> Frank's currently winning. I think. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Jason is basically feeding Frank points because they share very similar tastes in a lot of ways. It's real bad. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I understand he's getting you in a lot of trouble. Yeah, well, he'll just have a discussion with Courtney one day and it'll be fine. Frank, I think you wanted to mention Spirit Island. Spirit Island actually has its own kind of very flat tech tree like that. In Spirit Island, though, it breaks up the major and minor into two different decks. And so you can choose, you know, whether you want a major or minor, plus their costs to use the card are different. So it takes more resources to use a major card. And in that case, the powers in Spirit Island seem much more balanced. Of course, it's also a cooperative game, so you don't care as much. But even then, the choices to, you know, which deck do I go for? Do I have the resources? It's much more interesting. And it seems like something like that could go into tapestry and suddenly make it less awful. Yeah. Just some more granular way of balancing those. Yeah. Yeah. And even in Spirit Island, when you get a major power, you have to sacrifice a minor one that you have, right? Because you, you, yeah. you, you forget a minor power or whatever. Yeah, you have to make room in your brain. You could choose to sacrifice a major power. You just have to sacrifice a power. Okay. Right? Yeah. Sure. There is a cost. Yeah. One little one I wanted to mention, and literally it's little, it's a wee little civilization building game that I sort of got on a whim and actually quite like. 
Age of Civilization. It was designed by Jeffrey CCH and published by ICE Makes. And this was just a little one that I found on Kickstarter that I thought looked kind of cool. The quest has always been, you know, find a civilization game that doesn't take all day to play. This <laughs> one takes maybe an hour. And you still get a lot of the same functional stuff of building a, a civilization. The base mechanic of the game is, I think, kind of neat and unique. So basically, there's a slew of different actions you can take during the game. And there's like a set of eight actions dealt out in a row that are available. And then you have this one sort of fixed card that is three actions that are always available. It starts at the left end of that row of cards. And for that part, you can take the three actions on the constant card or the three cards below it. Okay. And then the next stage, it shifts over one. So the three constant ones are always available. And then you have a new action and old one is no longer available. Okay. So the stuff you can do during your turn shifts a little bit during the course of the game. The technology tree is really quite simple. It's like a three by three grid. There are nine technologies. You have a level one tech. You can go directly up from there, level two tech, and then diagonally to one of the level three ones that are corresponding. It's a neat little minimalist game. Honestly, I put it in here mostly because I wanted to talk about it, not because the tech tree is super innovative, but it's just a super clever little game. It's just sort of the, I, I think, the smallest possible tech tree that could still be described as a tree. You put a couple words together there in that description that don't make any sense to me. Kickstarter and little... Yeah, like, yeah. Did this yeah, deliver on weird. time, too? Are you just going to throw in all yeah, the possibilities? Yeah, no, it was, was kind of nuts. <laughs> it broke all the rules, which is, I think, why they haven't done anything again. Kickstarter, <laughs> Kickstarter's like, you can't do that. You're making the rest of us look bad. You're fired. Get out. <laughs> Kickstarter ended Your game them. has to come in 45 boxes, or yeah, it's exactly. not a real Kickstarter. Yeah, where are the miniatures? <laughs> yeah, really. Where's, I, there's no expansions? Come on now. So, hey, Brian, gain a point. <laughs> <laughs> the, so there are tableau builders where like the top card has a power or, you know, the number of cards you have in your tableau representing that give you a power, kind of like a Glory to Rome oh, sure. and those kind of games. They're not quite tech trees, but that might be an interesting if like the listeners want to hear about tableau builders. It's kind of tech tree adjacent. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll put that on the poll. We need to get more stuff on the poll. Okay? Yeah, totally. So the next one on our list is one that Sandy had, and I don't think I had ever heard of it. What? Sanctum? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a generic enough name that I may have heard of it and just not made the connection. It's interesting that Frank chose me for this one because I don't like this game. <laughs> <laughs> That's why hatred makes for good content. Yes, just yes. ask Joe. So, um, <laughs> oh, yeah. So so I wouldn't be talking about every single, single game. game <laughs> yeah. So and we just we did just play this the other day. So if this is a game I've actually played twice. And I still don't like it. <laughs> so Sanctum from 2019 uh, from Czech Games Edition. And I can't even guess. Philip Niduk? Sounds right. Yeah. And Tomos... Ulif? 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 We're very sorry. Yes, we are very sorry. I'm, I am quite terrible with... Um, oh, we all are. <laughs> It's kind of a theme of the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I always feel really bad because, you know, the ugly American thing. Yeah. But anyway, so Sanctum, you fight demons and when you defeat them, you get like gemstones that you move off your tech tree. Your board is populated with these gems. And when you move all the gems off an item on your tech tree, you get that tech. Oh, you're uncovering it. Okay. You uncover it, right? But then you also, the other flip side of the demon is some kind of equipment that you then spend these jewels to equip. Yeah, once you move them completely off your skill tree, and the skill trees are unique per character, and move them up to the top, you actually need those gems to put on your equipment to be powerful enough to equip the item. And are the gems all like in different colors? They're in yeah. three yeah. different so, colors so, in a while. So you have to <laughs> you have to balance what skills you want to unlock with what gear you want to get. And, uh, well, and what color demons you want to slay. Sure. Oh, of course. Okay. And the type of gear, which is listed on the front, because, you know, you can... A helmet can only be equipped in the head, and yeah, there are different sense. types of gear. I tried putting a helmet on my foot once. It did not work well. <laughs> yeah, it makes you limp. But then you get to the final boss and die. <laughs> oh, okay. I was, Sounds I was great. Like, Where, where's the part that Sandy hates? Oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> so the game is, is essentially Diablo, the board game. I mean, it's really obviously Diablo. 
Huh. Even the art and everything looks like it. To fight a demon, you, you're given kind of a to court the king thing going. You start with three dice, you roll them, and uh, each demon has one, two, or three different little die symbols. You have to basically take a die exactly matching. So you need a three and a four, put them on it, it's dead. Okay. Hmm. Uh, and then most of the skills and everything you get are dice manipulation abilities. Okay, that, that helps. Sure. Yeah. The final battle with the demon lord is tough. Even surviving can feel rewarding, but only the player with the most health at the end of the boss fight can truly claim the glory no, of his defeat. No, 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 no. no. I we thought you'd enjoy that. Better, Jason. <laughs> Come on, guys. Yeah, it's not a cooperative game. Uh. And each person gets their own variant of Diablo. <laughs> And 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 most of us will be negative on the lives, like <laughs> like negative twenty or thirty. Oh I mean, <laughs> wow. So really, the entire thing is a ramp up for one big mm-hmm. giant three or four round boss fight where he just chews through your health. Like you haven't taken any damage for the entire game. Where you die <laughs> and it sucks. <laughs> yeah. Imagine being one of those people who can never ever roll the dice you need to roll. Oh, I don't have to imagine I don't have that. to imagine exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and being stuck with this creature who does 18 points to you every round because you can't put dice on him. <laughs> Sounds delightful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm interested in it, but I know I'll be terrible at it. Well, you know, do it once, I guess. Yeah, bring bring it over sometime. Okay. Frank, or I'll come visit and yeah. Game moves pretty quickly. It's it is not long. Rules. That, oh, that well, is, that's a positive. That's a positive. You're not doing it all night, so that's not so bad. And it's totally compelling. The final fight is like, oh, I did this all wrong. Yeah. <laughs> there, there is nothing I have done right about building my tech yes, tree. Literally, and everything now I is... see its flaws. See, stomps me into the ground. Great. Learn for next time. Yeah, no, it's interesting. You might wind up getting a point out of that, Frank. We'll see. I think I'd play it before I. Oh no, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that is what a sensible person would do. I live with him. Mm. That's not what happened. I, I know. <laughs> I know that's not what happened. I live with me. Sanctum is like grinding mobs in WoW with a member of the opposing faction in the same area. Oh yeah, there's a Leroy Jenkins rule, and that's one of the movements. I'm not trying to sell the game. It sounds it sounds awful, but. <laughs> Joe is trying to save me yes. from giving Frank a point. I have played worse games. Oh, God. That's yeah. good. Wow. That's good. That's good. You should put that on That's the box good. as a pulp. I have played worse games. Not the worst game I've played. Anyways. <laughs> the same team did Adrenaline, if you played that. No. It's like a Euro version of a first-person shooter. It's actually good. Yeah, it's robots have little smiley faces on them on the box art, if I remember correctly. Yeah. The art is good in Sanctum. Yeah. The art, the, the, the Sanctum is good art. Yeah. Mm. It's pretty. Frank, I think there's a game here that is basically the reason you wanted to do this episode. I know, it's totally, but... And it's weird because it's a Rio Grande game. It's from 2020, the year we've all tried to forget. I don't even remember 2020. I was thinking about some of these 2019s. Oh, that came out last year. No, yeah. no there's a whole year. But yes, we're looking at uh, Dennis K. Chan as designer. I think it's his first game. Artist is Franz Volwinkel, who's done. Oh, yeah, he's been around for a and while. And this is, um, frankly, hideously ugly game. <laughs> Sorry, Franz. <laughs> I know. And again, you'd expect there's some nice art on. What's the... it called, Frank? It's called Beyond the Sun, ah. and it's a big old space tech tree game. So we've come full circle is what I'm hearing. Except it's not combat. It's not 4X or anything. It's pretty much just X. Actually, it's no X. <laughs> Probably our first 0X game. <laughs> as far as the design, the player boards themselves look like dot matrix printouts or Ooh, something. Boy. Mm. They are just black and white and hideously ugly. There's some nice art on the board, but then it's covered with cards because the game is a giant tech tree waiting for people to fill it. And in fact, there are really three parts of the board. Your little player board that has some dice that aren't dice because you never roll them. Yeah. Tell Uh, me more. These represent suitcases, colonists, and then spaceships one through four. Okay. And that's it. You only use them as markers. Then you've got a area control board where you've got some planets, depending on the number of players, and you put ships on those. And you fly ships around, and once you get enough ships, you can colonize a planet. Okay. Or having the most ships will give you an advantage. And then you have a giant freaking tech tree that's pretty much the main big board. This is weird because the tech is all cards, and each tech space is covered by an event. 
There's also a hand of a worker placement, except you have one worker. On your turn, you do an action on the tech tree board, and then you can produce a resource, either a colonist, basically turning one of those suitcases into a colonist. (laughs) (laughs) Just sort of unpack them. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, totally. Well, at least it's not turning them into the suitcase. Yeah, that'd be problematic. Yeah, different type of game. (laughs) Or making an orb, which are counters. And that's, that's actually your turn. So for, it's the actions on the big board that are very like Agricola that slowly open up over time. Hmm. So one of the big things is that basically you can place one of your colonists onto the board to take a new power. This can be a one shot or it can be a new space that you can then place your one worker token to choose as a future action. So you're slowly opening up actions. Every time you get a new tech, whoever opens up that tech does a lot of things. First of all, there's an event that happens. So there's an opportunistic, ooh, there's an event there. I want that. Or, you know, there's a tech that someone else has discovered and ooh, I need that action. But also when you choose a tech, you have to have all the prerequisites. And there are a bunch of lines on some of them require one, some of them require that you have both of a tech. But there's also colors and each of the various little possible ways of getting victory points has a color associated with it. And they're the typical, you know, military for moving ships around, production for making more people. And for each of those, you choose the color for attack, and then you turn up cards until you get two cards of that appropriate color. And it can be any of the colors of cards that lead into it. Okay. So when you choose to add a new tech, you're choosing that tech spot for every other player. And they can only choose that so one tech. it is tech. a shared tech tree. It is a shared tech tree. So you choose basically what the type of it is. And then you get two choices. And then you choose which of those is going into that slot. So there's a fair bit of random, weird, opportunistic stuff going with that building out the tech tree. Eventually, that can come into ways of turning resources and colonists into ships, moving them onto the area control board where you can get planets, more points, and clear colonists. There's a hint of Eclipse where having certain techs will let you turn resources into colonists more efficiently, you know, make more ore. And of course, you have to spend all that to do anything else in the game. So a lot of the actions are you must spend five ore to do this and colonize a planet. But it's all really, really simple and obvious with the bulk of the game being the big giant tech tree. And some of them are multiple combination actions, and they grow up in terms of power or gaining techs. And even some of the opportunistic one-shots where you get a tech, it's a prerequisite for another tech that you want. There are also achievements. So generally the game ends when like four or five achievements are taken. And, you know, one of them might be take the level four tech, gain a level four tech at the end of the tree. And so the game is actually pretty fast. We're talking 90 minutes. It looks like a big old giant Euro. (laughs) And really, there's an area control game that's absolutely minimal area control. You get chips, you put them on, you play colonization action, you're done. Yeah, there's no conflict. There is actually, if you have more than one person on a place, then you get to basically clear a spot, which helps your production of ore or people. Okay. But if someone takes it over you stay there. If someone actually colonizes it, your ships all go off to deep space. You don't lose them, but you lose some of the actions you spent to move them onto the planet. So it's actually pretty nice and not very conflict. I mean, it feels a bit like a Euro game, but with those events and the limited choices for the tech tree, it actually feels fun, which I was surprised for such a dry, hideous looking (laughs) game. Fun? It's fun. It is actually fun is the surprising part. Wow. (laughs) And honestly, looking at the stuff online, at least from the photos on the Geek, it doesn't look that hideous. Uh, I think it does. Very, Especially very those, those player boards are, wow. <laughs> well, the player boards are not exciting, but overall the art is not like, I do like the art on the board, but then it's all covered up with those tech cards. Yeah. This next one is one that we just discovered recently. Points, points, yeah. points, Yeah, yeah. this points. is the most recent point earner for Frank. Chronicles of Drunagor. Released in 2021. They're about to go onto yet another, uh, well, not Kickstarter, they're doing GameFound, I think this time is what they're doing, but uh, I'll be purchasing it, probably a lot of it. (laughs) Chronicles of Drunagor, Age of Darkness, 2021, released by CGS, the Creative Game Studios, and designed by Daniel Alves, Yuriko Kuna Neto. It's, guess what, a cooperative (laughs) dungeon crawling skirmish game with leveling up and uh, equipment. I feel like we've heard this before somewhere. Sorry, 12 is my limit on cooperative dungeon-crawling skirmish games with equipment and skills. That's table stakes, Brian. Come on now. What kind of stood out about this one is 
first of all, the I don't even know where to start. It's all about action selection. You have multicolored cubes that determine what types of actions you can take and determine the range of those actions that you're taking based off of the skills that your character has, the equipment that they have, and even what is it role? Is that what it's called? The um, oh yeah, defender striker, yeah. yeah. And the role that you've been assigned, um, which also de- determines your initiative. It's, a, it's got all sorts of crazy systems that actually resolve very, very simply. Take colored cube, put on thing that has that color. You do that twice per activation. Very, very simple mechanically and lots of variety in it. I guess we didn't really get to experience this much, but the way that the leveling up happens is you are able to level up the skills of your class and you get to level up your abilities as a, a different roles that your character has selected at the beginning of the game. Uh, happens during the camp phase, which is, I guess, in between dungeons. Correct. And there's no tracking XP. There's no tracking gold. You just get these things in these different phases as you progress through the campaign. And yeah, there are six different levels of loot because technically they're artifacts, which you get only through the adventure, but five tiers of loot plus your starter. So I guess there's seven tiers of loot and you gradually can advance them up the tiers and again, no gold. You just get them during the camp phase. Yeah, from an administration perspective, it's super simple. Mm-hmm. You basically just grab the cards of the things you have and move on to go murder stuff in the, in the dungeon again. Yeah, it is, I think, pleasantly simple as big dungeon crawls go. I love the fact that basically everything is the same system. Your character has some skills on it that you can use. You can get some gear that has some skills on it that you can use. You have a roll to get some skills on it. It all works the same way, which makes everything very streamlined. And the table presence on the thing is very cool. It's got the, you know, little 3D dungeons at different levels and stuff that you're traveling around. I was sorely tempted to get this, but like I said, I'm at my limit on epic co-op dungeon crawl campaigns. Don't worry, Brian. I'll probably be getting all of it, so. Good. (laughs) Here's the problem is that we need to find time to play through all of That is a problem. I agree. I agree. Yeah, I don't know what to do about that problem. <laughs> I still haven't figured that one out. Yeah, this one's pretty good size. Fortunately, it looks like the scenarios are fairly short. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we played hour, hour and a half per scenario, and we played it with like four or five. Uh, played with oh, did it do five? Cool. We'll do five, yeah. So if you're looking for sort of an archetypal Kickstarter with a million boxes full of miniatures and complicated bits, it is that. But the gameplay is pretty straightforward, and I think it's actually quite good. It's smaller than Joan of Arc. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. Sure. That, I'm smaller I mean, than a blue whale. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's uh, a giant orca, I think, if you're going to talk about Joan of Arc. <laughs> well, don't worry. They've got more content coming for it. So <laughs> I know. I dread. <laughs> yeah, our next game is actually a campaign cooperative dungeon crawl. What? Oh, good. <laughs> I was afraid we were going to run out. Never heard of them. Fits into one box. Okay, that doesn't seem possible. <laughs> you made this talk. up. It's clearly Crazy a lie. Talk. Adventure Tactics Domian's Tower from 2021. Designed by Nicholas Yu and published by Lediman Games. So this is really interesting in that your tech tree is almost a recipe book. <laughs> <laughs> At the end of every scenario, you go up a level. But how you go up your levels... So you start off with your basic fighter... Cleric, uh, uh, cleric, druid, ranger, right? Is this the game where you played a hunter? I played a hunter, of course. <laughs> I actually maxed out hunter, and I'm not sure if maxing out the tech tree was better than doing the multiple tech trees that everybody else mm-hmm. in the game was doing. Frank says maybe it was because I did way more damage than everybody else. Excellent. But... <laughs> But so, you know, you're, you're a wizard, and if you choose to take your second level of wizard, you can become a necromancer. If you choose to take a level one fighter and your second level be a cleric, then you can become a paladin. And there's this whole recipe book of how these things fit together. So if you have X level of this mm-hmm. and Y level of that and Z level yeah. of that, you can become all these things. So I took my maxed out hunter, which is like a level two archer goes to a hunter, and maxed out the hunter. And then I went to an engineer who had, like, ballista he could set up. <laughs> you need a if it arrow. shoots, I want it. Yeah, you know, little Gatlin guns to kill everything on the board. I can see why you were doing more damage than anyone Yeah, else. really. Exactly. <laughs> we cracked that mystery. So it's almost like your D&D multi-classing, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Three levels of wizard and two levels of cleric. And prestige classes. Yeah, yeah. totally, yeah. Yeah. Oh, we should should make Mike play this game so he can get like one level of every class. Oh, yes. (laughs) 
So yeah, the structure is there are five basic and mm-hmm. anyone can take levels in basic classes, right. but you have prerequisites to get you know any of the prestige the classes. Stuff, yeah. And there's limits on how many people can do each prestige mm-hmm. class in each okay. level. So the ultimate outcome, in fact, there's a deck of the what you get when you get this level. And it goes in your box and it explains what cards you get to add or how many cards you get to subtract from your deck. And so items and everything just go into your deck. And so it's really a deck builder. Oh, fascinating. And so you basically take your hand to five and you can play two or three cards a turn as your actions. This is the one that you liken to Card Hunter, I think. or Yeah, and there's some Card Hunter yeah, going there. Every fight is against a boss. There are no minion kind of thing. I mean, there's bosses with minions, but right. it's all specific, particular AI deck fights. And there's always a boss involved. Huh. And the entire campaign takes about 12 hours and you see a little more than half of the bosses huh. in a oh, row. Wow. Okay. The characters cap at level 10, but it would be completely replayable because if you made different class choices, very it would different. be a very different experience. Interesting. And so it's a fairly short game from that kind of big old campaign giant. Is there a point coming Frank's way? Frank is giving me a point <laughs> that suggests that Frank thinks there's going to be a point coming his way, and he may not be wrong. <laughs> Are we tallying these? Because uh, nope. Frank's got to no. destroy No, us. no, no. That way lies madness. <laughs> So that was our list of things that we think were interesting in terms of tech trees, skill trees, that sort of thing. Given what we've gone through, Jason, do you have a favorite from the list? Honestly, it's probably going to be too many bones. I just keep Mm. going back to that game. It's just, it's a really fun game with a lot of variety and I I own everything in the giant box so that I haven't even scratched (laughs) the surface on what you can do with it. I'll probably be doing the Build a Tyrant next because I feel like getting my face punched in real hard. (laughs) I can do that for you a lot cheaper, (laughs) And it doesn't involve rolling dice either. So. You're right. <laughs> I mean, we could make it. I mean. Sure. <laughs> well, if Brian's rolling, you would never hit Yes, me. that's true. That's true. Jason's probably no, safe. No, you just true. assign a hit location, hit location. to every oh, there dice. There, there we, go. There we go. go. All right. Yep, yep. <laughs> I'll give you a couple D20s. I'll make a chart. It'll be great. <laughs> All right, Sandy, how about you? Any particular favorites from this list? Well, I am not a huge fan of really mean games. And it doesn't matter to me if it's the players being mean to each other or the game being really mean to the players. Mm-hmm. I'm just not a fan. Fair enough. So those never make me happy. But I really liked Too Many Bones. I was really sorry when we were done and it was never going to hit the table again. Go visit Jason. He'll, yeah. he'll play it again. <laughs> I really like Adventure Tactics. Yeah, I know now that we have the big box, we have to play Too Many Bones again. Yeah, true. But I guess those two would okay. be my... Fair enough. How about you, Frank? I'm going to go for the like driving reason why there's so many Kickstarters and pick Drunagor. <laughs> <laughs> it's the unknown. But when we were starting to look through those character abilities and the items, which Sandy and I did, you know, there's, oh, well, you have to pick this. And then it's like, no, I want this and this. <laughs> and this. All of those level one upgrades looked broken. And oh, my God, you need this. A really powerful and massively game changing. You wonder, wow, if that's just what, the level one. What else is what's the level? What's the level five items like? <laughs> of course, you know, those extra scenarios you're fighting against. Like, you know, all of the old gods. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It adds up a little. I give it to Madara. I really enjoyed that gaming experience. I did that too. Really fun. I did too. I mean, it helps that we had a really good crew. Yeah, and, you know. Obviously. So as, as much as we complain about the storyline stuff, it was actually a lot of fun. I did really like Madara, but I think for mine, I'm actually going to go back to Sid Meier's Civ because as table-driven 4X games go, I'm just really a big fan of the way that one works. And as with so many games, I just don't get to play it often enough. I actually like New Dawn better. Have you played New Dawn? I have not. I we need to I was that. thinking about it, and several people I knew who had played it, some at this table, said that they did not like it at all. And so I didn't They're wrong. I am merely an observer here. I do not express opinions. It is a different game. Played. <laughs> yeah. So that is an episode. Sandy, thank you for joining us. It's always good to have you here. You have several fans on the podcast who are delighted every time you show up here. Hello, Carlos. (laughs) (laughs) Correct. (laughs) But yeah, we're going to make some updates to the poll on our website, ascentofboardgames.com, if you want to go there and vote for what else we should talk about. In the meantime, everybody stay safe. We will talk at you again next month. Bye. 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 We hope you have enjoyed this episode of The Ascent of Board Games, which is protected by the Creative Commons license. Opening and closing music is Evening Melodrama by Kevin McLeod via Incompetech.com. 
Full details can be found at ascentofboardgames.com. Please share, like, subscribe, review, and comment on this podcast. And thank you for listening. Black Angel is a hideous game. <laughs> oh, wow. That Yeah, that looks like... It looks like Tron threw up. <laughs>